Today we're going to finish our series on others, and uh, Ben asked me if I would uh, do one on uh, forgiving others, and I really, the Lord has used me through the years on forgiving. Some things are easier for others uh, than other things are, but Ephesians 4 and verse 32 says this. Everybody read it, read it with me, would you? Be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also has forgiven you. And I want to talk to you today about forgiving each other. Let's pray today. Father, I pray that you would open our hearts in a fresh way. I pray that you would open our hearts to be able to uh, share uh, the love that you shared with us, that we can see things in the right light, that we understand things in the right light, that we um, give what we were given. And we ask that in the name of Jesus. Everybody said a good amen. All right, everybody stand up just for a second, would you? Turn around and look at somebody and say, have you lost a little bit of weight? Just look at somebody and say, have you lost a little bit of weight? <laughs> All right, you can be seated after you've lied. You can be seated after you lied. Forgiveness is easier for some people than for other people. People come to the kingdom of God in different uh, personalities. Some things are easier to learn for each individual. Forgiveness is very, very hard for some people. Um, perhaps you heard the old story about the old farmer, and uh, his neighbor was watching him one day. He was out there plowing with his mule. And the old farmer never would say a word to the mule, just slap the reins and try to pull him. And finally, the neighbor had had enough, and the neighbor said, you know, if you would say gee and haw to that mule, that mule, you know, it would make it a lot easier. And the old farmer said, he kicked me six years ago. I ain't going to talk to him again. Come on, somebody. It's called cutting your nose off to spite your face. And uh, some of us, uh, C.S. Lewis once said, everyone says forgiveness is a lovely idea until you have something to forgive. Peter had a hard time. We'll talk about him in just a little, a little bit of time. But before we down Peter for dealing or saying seven times in one day, how many of you have ever forgiven somebody seven times in one day? Good time. Anytime, anytime you can walk into a room and, uh, and you see somebody in that room and your mood changes, you need to deal with forgiveness. Anytime you're in a grocery store, you're whistling Dixie and you walk down an aisle and suddenly there's somebody in that aisle and your entire mood changes, you need to deal with forgiveness. Right now, when I said those things and whoever's name came up in your mind, you need to deal with forgiveness. Unforgiveness does not exist among animals. I don't know if you know this. Unforgiveness does not exist among babies. If unforgiveness is not in animals, is not in babies, how did it get in us? Um, you didn't take it in school. There wasn't unforgiveness 101 when you went to college and how to learn how to unfor you know, not forgive. Where did we get unforgiveness? If, if, if I've got such a stronghold in my life, I'm dealing with unforgiveness, where did it come from? Let me just say it this way. There's a pathology in families that, the, uh, that you learn things from growing up in your family uh, that is the way you handle life a lot of times. One of the reasons you laugh the way you laugh is why? That is how your mama laughed or your daddy laughed. Uh, every family has a pathology. Some, some families are quiet. How many of your family, you grew up in a family that was quiet and calm? All right. How many of you grew up in a family where every time they talked like they hated each other? How many of you grew up in one of those kinds? You know, my wife and I, it, it, we're, we're so different. It's like we came from different countries. Come on, somebody. We did. We did. We came from. <laughs> we all have the same feelings. But how we express them is a result of the pathology in the environment that you grew up in. Uh, if your daddy internalized pain and, and every time there was a conflict, he got in the car and drove away and then came back later. Uh, or if your mama was the kind of mama that she followed you, she vocalized everything, and then didn't keep revocalizing and chased you to your, be your bedroom and then vocalized it again. How many know when you get married, if that's the way you grew up, and your husband, you know, grew up in a family where he internalized pain, and you grew up in a family where you, you, you'll chase your husband around from room to room. We're going to talk about this. What do you mean we're not going to talk? We're going to talk. If we, we're going to call Pastor Ben if you don't want to talk about this. Unforgiveness is a learned behavior. What is unforgiveness? Let me ask you this question. What does unforgiveness do to the person 
that hurt you? What does your unforgiveness do to the person that hurt you? And let me just give you a real simple answer. Nothing. You're sitting up there all mad at him. He, he left you. Let's say there or she left you. And you're sitting up there all mad, uh, getting tense, stress building up in your system. You're getting hypertension. You, you know, you're not being created. You, and all that's happening in your body. And the person that you're, you're mad at or unforgiving to is out there, you know, enjoying life, going on with life. Unforgiveness does nothing to the person that you're mad or hurt at. Unforgiveness is, you know, the old saying, drinking poison and waiting for the other person to die. Let's go a little deeper. Unforgiveness doesn't protect you. Somehow, some people think that unforgiveness is like a force field. It just protects you from getting hurt again and, and puts a bubble around you. I remember I talked to a person one time. They said, we feel like we have a bubble around us, that we've got unforgiveness. And it's not like you're unforgiving. You have a force field. It's not unforgiveness does not protect you from being hurt again. It doesn't help at all. So let's ask a few questions. Why is, unforg- why is forgiveness so hard? And if you sit there and think it's not, you're lying through your teeth. Why is forgiveness so hard? Forgiveness because, number one is, we have a damaged soul. Psalms 23 and 3 says it this way. <clears throat> he restores, he restores my mind, my will, my emotions. That's what a soul, your soul is. Your soul is your mind, your will, and your emotions. When you get hurt, when somebody does something to you and damages you, it affects your mind, it affects your will, it affects your emotions. And David came to a place where he said, the Lord restores my mind, my will, my emotions. If you've got a picture show going on in your head, if you go to sleep at night, if you dream about things, if you, during the day, you're you're upset about whatever it may be, but he restores my soul. (laughs) And so I remember Dr. Cho, I went to Korea one time and Dr. Cho is the largest church in the world. And he was teaching on prayer, and it was, he taught on the part of the Lord's Prayer. It says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And he said this, every day I forgive so many people because I hate so many people. <laughs> largest, largest church in the world. How I many can identify with that sometimes? Forgiveness is not an emotion. It's a choice. And that's one of the keys about dealing with forgiveness. Nobody feels like forgiving. If you're waiting for the day that you're going to feel it and you're going to feel like forgiving them, it will never come. Forgiveness is a choice. Nobody ever feels like I've never said, whoopee, look here, another dagger. Hallelujah. Another chance to forgive. Another time that I can say, oh, thank you. Thank you. Thank you, Lord, for this situation. I can learn to forgive. Et tu Brutus one more time. One woman said it this, this way, says, I'm forgiveness out. I have forgiven so much, I can't forgive anymore. Uh, don't wait until you feel like it. Forgiveness begins with a choice, and grace comes in after that. And there is a dealing with your emotions, and God can help. But the beginning of it is a choice. The power of God comes in later, and it works a grace in your life. After you choose to forgive, God begins to heal, to restore your soul but you need to choice begin. It begins to restore you bit by bit. Now, why is forgiveness so hard? Because the once and for all choice to forgive does not stop the memories from coming back from time to time. When Jesus was on the cross, now listen very carefully. When Jesus was on the cross, the Bible says he prayed, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. In the Greek language, that is a repetitive verb, which means he said it over and over and over. So it wasn't just a one-time thing that he said. He said it over and over and over. And sometimes when you're dealing with issues of your life, sometimes you're going to have to say it over and over and over and over and over. One of the keys I've always learned uh, and I'll just pass, I've got a lot, so much stuff, I'm just going to jumble it up a little bit. But one of the things I learned in life was you, you are three parts. You are body, soul, and spirit. Before you became a Christian, you, may, you were simply body and soul. The spirit part of you was dead. The Bible calls that 
the, 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 the hidden man of the heart. It's your spirit part of you. And when you got saved, one of the things that happened in your life was this, that God came in by his spirit into your spirit and you came alive. You, you were alive. You came alive. And that part of you, so you are three parts. You are body, soul, and spirit. And what God wants is for your spirit to rule your body and your soul. So there is a part of you that God has created. If you become a Christian, his spirit has now come and, and, and the Bible says it has mingled with your spirit and you've become now one with him. And he wants that part of you, that third part of you that came alive when you gave your life to the Lord and you became a Christian. He wants that part of you to rule your life. If you've ever seen anybody that's a carnal, we call a carnal Christian, somebody that lets their emotions or their will or, or their, 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 their body control them, then literally they're not allowing the spirit to rule them. And here's the key. On the cross, Jesus prayed. How, I don't know how he could do this. He prayed, Father, forgive them. And imagine all that he dealt with the Pharisees and the Sadducees, and they were coming by and sneering at him. The, the two, both thieves on the cross at the beginning were sneering at him, uh, you know, all this. They were coming by, the Pharisees were saying, you saved others, save yourself, on and on and on. And there was so much coming against him. And, and, and this is the reason he could begin and do what he did on the cross. The reason he could forgive on the cross was because he had had a Gethsemane before Calvary. Now, listen very carefully. You'll never, you'll never endure your Calvary if you don't go through your Gethsemane. In Gethsemane, the Bible says he prayed for three hours and he prayed the same thing for three hours. For three hours, he dealt, listen, listen, he dealt with his soul and he dealt with his body. You, you remember the words he said? I don't have the scripture. Let me just quote them to you. On, in Gethsemane, he took his three disciples with him. And the Bible, you know the story, they all went to sleep and he would come back and he would chide them. And he said, you could not tarry with me one hour. But remember what he said to them? The first thing he said was, he said, my soul is sorrowful even unto death. My mind, my will, my emotions are sorrowful unto death. See, see, he hadn't got the Calvary yet. This, just the spray of Calvary was coming. He was in Gethsemane. And, he, and he, he tells, he's praying and he says, Father, what shall I pray? Save me from this hour. For this hour, for this purpose came I into the world. He said, not my will be done, but thine be done. And he laid down. He conquered his mind. He conquered his soul. He conquered his emotions. And he said, not my will, but that there comes a point where in your life, you've got to come to where you allow your spirit, man, to rule over your soul and your body. You allow that part of you to begin to grow <clears throat> on and on. And so, in fact, he comes to the disciples and they're sleeping. And what does he say to them? And, and, and a lot of people think he's chiding them. But you know what he's doing? He's saying, I just came from this same battle you're fighting. He said, listen, he said, the spirit is willing but the flesh is weak. That's what he said to his disciples. And a lot of times we think he's, he's, he's really, you know, getting on them. But what he's doing is he's saying, I'm fighting that battle right now. The spirit in me is willing, but my soul is sorrowful even unto death. Listen what he said. He said, my emotions, my mind, it, it is sorrowful even unto death because he was about to lay his life down. He that knew no sin was about to become sin. And so he's battling that in his, he's battling his emotions. He's battling it. He's battling to do this. And at the end of it, he said, it's, it's time. He woke them all up. He said, they've come. They've gone. And, and, and the first one was one of, he's, it, it, Psalm speaks and says, my familiar friend who I went to the house of God with, he, it, had it been a stranger, I could have dealt with it, but it was a friend that betrayed me. And the Bible says, you betray me, friend, you betray me with a kiss. But he had, he had fought the battle through. And so he's on the cross now. He'd gone through his Gethsemane. He had dealt with it. His spirit was ruling him. And when they were mocking him and they had crucified him, and speaking of the Romans and the Pharisees and, and the other, and he said, Father, forgive them. Everybody say amen. Amen. 
So I choose to forgive. So one of the keys is, why is forgiveness so hard? One of the keys is, is we have false ideas of what forgiveness is. Uh, let me just give you a few things here. We have, a false, we have false ideas. One is that to forgive us, we think somehow we're approving of what happened. If we say we forgive you, that we're approving. Listen, it, 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 we're not saying it didn't hurt. We're not saying it didn't matter. And we're not saying that it wasn't wrong. God forgave you of every sin you've ever did and never one time said it was right. Is that right? And we do the same thing. Often we make forgiveness more difficult with false ideas. On and on. It's, it, it's the first time that the word forgive appears in the Bible is in Genesis 50. And it's a story of Joseph who as a teenager was sold by his brothers and taken off into Egypt. And he was there, not telling, I mean, you can imagine, 18, you know, 17, 18 years old, 16, 17, 18. He sold by, by his brothers to slave trades and taken into Egypt, no, away from his family, away from his culture, away from his God, away from everything, everybody he ever knew, everything he ever was familiar with, and introduced to a, a, a literally things he never knew. And he got into situations where he was one problem after another after another. And then years later, God promoted him and he became second in command of Egypt. And the day came when famine hit the land and all of his brothers came down to Egypt. And he was dressed in the, in the Egyptian uh, all and all. And they didn't recognize him. And they come begging for food. And Joseph has the power at that time to do whatever he wanted to do. He could, have, he could have exacted vengeance. He could have done anything he wanted to do. He had the right. He, he had the power. And the Bible says after he put them through a test and then they realized who he was, they all moved down to Egypt. And then years later, their father dies. And, and all the brothers say, you know what? He's just been good to us. He's just been waiting till dad died and then he's going to exact vengeance on us. So they send him a letter. And the letter was from their dad and said, you know, our dad asked you to forgive us. First time the word appears in, in the Bible. Your dad asked us to, to have mercy and forgive us. And the Bible says when he read that letter, he wept because he said, they don't know me. They don't know my heart. And he brings them before him. And he says, I read the letter. He says, you don't know my heart. My heart is this. He says, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. And he said, listen, his spirit ruled. He'd, already got, he'd never got bitter all those years. He, got, he could have gotten bitter at his family. He could have gotten bitter at what they did to him. He could have held bitterness year after year after year. It, it, I mean, it was 20, 30 years he could have held bitterness. But he had never held bitterness. And when he had the chance, he didn't do anything. He said, listen, he said, you meant it for evil, but God. Let me just tell you a few things about to understand that. Number one is forgiveness is not overlooking the wrong. He didn't say, oh, you didn't do anything wrong. No, he said, you meant, you really, you meant it for evil, but God meant it for good. Forgiveness is not excusing the wrong. He, did, he didn't say, hey, you know, we all came from a bad home. and you know. No, no, he didn't do that. Forgiveness is not minimizing the wrong. You know, he didn't say, oh, you know, guys, it wasn't that big a deal. It was a big deal. And the last one is forgiveness is not taking the blame for the wrong. He didn't say, you know, I should never have wore that coat. I know I was daddy's favorite. I know I, listen, forgiveness is not you taking the blame for what happened to you. So you come to a place where, listen, forgiveness, listen, forgiveness is hard, but hate is harder. Forgiveness is hard, but hate is harder. The miracle of forgiving is the creation of a new beginning God wants to do in your life. So let me give you a definition of forgiveness. Let me just give you a definition. And it's the story that I really love because you don't get rid of bitterness by casting out a spirit. We used to, many years ago, any problem you had was a demon. And so we cast that demon out. They'd had demons of, of um, uh, dandruff. Come on, somebody. They, they'd cast demons of dandruff out to get out of, you know. Dandruff. We, used to, we, used to, uh, we used to have a saying that uh, we used to have, when you go to a meal and there'd be all this fatty food and all this sugar and everything, we'd cast all the calories out. And uh, one time one man said, you know, this kind only comes out by prayer and fasting. Come on, somebody. <laughs> and sometimes what you deal with in, in your life is, you, you, the way you deal with, with bitterness is forgiveness. 
The way you deal, let me tell you what, but let me tell you what bitterness is. Bitterness is a fortress of the devil. You know, the Bible says tearing down, uh, tearing down imaginations, uh, dealing with the fortresses. Uh, one time it says, Jesus said this, don't, do not give place to the devil. Bitterness and unforgiveness gives place to the devil. And he can build fortresses in your life. Many times I've, I've realized this. I, when I'm dealing with somebody and trying to help them, I try to find out what fortress the devil has built in their life. And what ground have they given over to the enemy in their life that he now is, is that's his fortress, his, his stronghold in their life. See, a stronghold is anything that's got a stronghold on you. That's what a stronghold is. And it can be anything. And so dealing with that, you take back the, you take back. And the way you deal with what you gave to the devil, you take back. And the way you deal with bitterness and unforgiveness is you deal with it with forgiveness. And let me give you, in Luke, I'm just going to quote this. In Luke 6, 37, Jesus said this, forgive and you shall be forgiven. And the, and the word there is not the regular word for forgive. It's a, it's a unique word and it literally means to release. Release and you shall be released. And one of the keys is, so I want to read this. Here's the story. Here's the definition, one of the best stories. And we're going to end up with this this morning. And that is in Matthew chapter 18. And it's my best, uh, one of the buddies that I like the best is Peter. How many can identify with, can you identify with Peter somewhat? And Peter came and said, now just imagine what's going on on this day. Peter came and said to him, Lord, how often shall my brother sin against me and I forgive him? Now, I don't know. You read, you read it, and they argued. There was things going on in that group of guys. They weren't, you know, all halos, and they weren't all glowing all the time. There was a lot of issues going down in that group of people. And the Bible says Jesus had to deal with them over and over. They, one time they fought about who was the greatest. I mean, on and on. And the Pharisees had a law in that day was that if somebody uh, wronged you, you had to forgive them three times. That was the law. That was there. You know, they added to the law. That was what the Pharisees, that was the rule of the day. If somebody for, wronged you, you had to forgive them three times on that day, every day. And if they did number four, then you were free to go do whatever you do. So when, when Peter says this to Jesus, he thought Jesus' jaw would drop on the ground and say, I've not seen so great forgiveness. No, not in all Israel. And so Peter says, how many times will John or, or James or, you know, how many times do I have to put up with these people? And he said, seven times. And I love Jesus' response. Jesus said to him, I do not say to you up to seven times, but up to 70 times seven. Now, I'll guarantee you his jaw hit the ground. <laughs> he, he, he's sitting there listening to this. And then he, he says, and then he gives a parable. He always loved giving parables because it, it made you remember. For this reason, the kingdom of heaven may be compared for this reason. What reason is that? That forgiveness knows no terminal point. 490 times in a day. How I many know that's a lot? I never did the math. How many is that per minute? I don't know how many times. But forgiveness knows no terminal point. For this reason, for this reason, all that issues you're having, all, all the conflicts you're having with the, with the other disciples, the bitterness, the unforgiveness you're dealing with. For this reason, let me give you a parable to deal with your unforgiveness. The kingdom of heaven may be compared to a king who wished to settle accounts with his slaves. When he'd begun to settle them, one who owed him 10,000 talents, that's millions in our economy, owed him 10,000 talents was brought to him. But since he did not have the means to repay, his Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. And his slave fell down to the ground and prostrated himself before him and saying, have patience with me and I will repay you everything. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him and forgave him the debt. Go back, just go back. And the Lord of the slave felt compassion and released him, forgave him millions of dollars of debt. Right? But, everybody say but. 
Whenever you got a butt, it just turned 90 degrees. You just 180 degrees. You just took 180 degrees. But the slave went out and found one of his fellow slaves who owed him a hundred denarii, which is like, let me just say, the comparison is it was like a million to one. What he had been forgiven of and what this fellow slave owed him was like a million to one. Went out, found a slave who owed him a hundred denarii, and he seized him and began to choke him, (laughs) saying, pay back what you owe. Now, did the guy owe him that? Hey, I ask you a question. Did the guy owe him that? I'll trade you in for a new group if you don't shape up. He owed him, owed him, he owed him. So Jesus wasn't saying he didn't owe him. He did owe him. He owed, and he probably thought the guy's in jail. He's going to be in prison. Oh, I'll never have to pay this guy back ever. He owed him 100 denarii. He owed that. So his fellow slave fell to the ground. You ever seen this picture before? Begin to plead. You, you ever seen that picture before? Just happened a few sentences up. He had just, this guy had just done this himself. Let me ask you, how many of you ever, on, I drive a lot on the interstate. How many of you ever, somebody does something and you, and then you, oh, I just did that myself. Come on, somebody. So his fellow slave fell to the ground and began to plead with him, saying, Have patience with me, and I will repay you. And he was more than willing because of what had happened. No. And he was unable. Is that what it says? And, and because of circumstances, he was not, it was not possible. What was it? He was what? He was unwilling and went and threw him in prison until he should pay back what was owed. So when his fellow slaves saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came and reported their Lord and all that had happened. Then summoning him, the Lord said to him, now this is Jesus telling this story to Peter because of his dealing with his bitterness and unforgiveness. Summoning him, his Lord said to him, just imagine Peter's face. (laughs) He's listening to this. He had just asked seven times. No, 70 times seven. He's asking. Now the Lord is telling him this parable. The Lord said to him, you wicked, (laughs) excuse me, you wicked slave. I forgave you all that debt because you pleaded with me. Should you not also have had mercy on your fellow slave in the same way that I had mercy on you? And his Lord moved with anger, handed him over to the torturers until he should repay all that was owed him. My, just watch Peter's face. My heavenly father will also do to the same to you, Peter, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. How many know that was not the answer Peter was looking for? How many know that's not the answer we're looking for? You don't know. You don't, you don't know. You don't understand. You don't. What if you brought your situation before Jesus? He said, Lord, Lord, how many times do I have to forgive? Lord, do you know what they did? Do you know it was of the word? And bring back up verse 27. The Lord of that slave felt compassion And released him. See the word released. And see the word forgave. That is the definition of forgiveness. They both mean literally to release. It it means uh, the first one to he he, uh, released him. It means he released or loosed. It means to liberate from a thing. It means uh, to, to loose it. And the second one forgave. It also means to let go or to send away. So both of those things. (laughs) <laughs> were so forgiveness is you release the person you let them go you forgive forgiveness releases the hurt of the past now listen if you don't forgive you will be bound to the past i'll never forget i read the story a father of an 18 year old girl she was out on the highway a boy drinking 
ran into her car and killed her. He was so bitter. He was so bitter. When it came time for sentencing, he asked, he came up before the mic and he said, I ask only one thing, judge. I asked that this boy pay $216. And, and the judge said, what? He says, I asked, all I ask is this boy pay $216. He said, what? He said, I want him to bring me $1 every month on the day that he killed my daughter for the next 18 years. I want him to bring me $1 on the day he killed my daughter, on the day, like you say, it was the 15th. I want him on the 15th of every month to bring me a dollar, a dollar for the next 18 years. Now, let me ask you a question. How many think that the bitterness stayed alive in his life? Every month on the 15th, a boy would bring him $1. Unforgiveness binds you to the past. Let me tell you, let me give you a principle I've learned in my life. Forgive and become like Jesus. Hold for unforgiveness and become like the one that hurt you. You know how many times I've seen, I've, I've dealt in counseling with families. And somebody will tell me, my dad, my dad, you know what he was like, my dad. And, and they would tell me, I'd never do that. They, they're not like him in that respect, but they're just like him in all the other respects. They just use it in a different vein. Forgive and become like Jesus. Hold unforgiveness and become like the one that you will hold unforgiveness for. You got to learn that. It does not do any good to deal with demonic spirits if there's unforgiveness. You need to deal with that first. Let me ask you this. What happens when you forgive? <clears throat> Number one is you cancel the debt. I like First Corinthians 13 verse 5 says, Does not act unbecoming love. It does not seek its own. It's not provoked. Does not take into account. Does not take into account a wrong suffered. And what that means is this: it's, it's a counting term. It means it means on the books you zero out the account. You zero out the account. That that literally literally when you look at somebody and, and you and, and you say you don't owe me anything. You don't know, you owe me nothing. Forgiveness is when you zero out the account with whoever it is, whatever it is in your life, you zero out the account. Whether it was physical money, whether it was a hurt, whether it was what, you look at them and you say, I, I zero out your account. I bring nothing into it. And before you get saved, listen, written against you was all these things. And what God did was, God took every one of those and zeroed. He says, he that knew no sin became sin, that you might become the righteousness of God in Christ. When the, listen, when you fell before God that day and you owed all these, you owed so much. And you went before and Jesus, I forgive you. He literally, he, he, he wiped it all out. He forgave you everything. And here's what I've learned. I'm not going to let a penny any debt that somebody else owes me, make me lose the million-dollar forgiveness I got. Come on, somebody. So when I've gotten hurt through the years, I've been whatever. It doesn't mean they wasn't wrong. It doesn't mean they didn't hurt me. It doesn't mean it was bad. It doesn't mean any of that stuff. It just means this. I value my million-dollar forgiveness over every penny any debt that's ever going to be done against me. Nothing compares. And so you begin to do that. You, and so what you do is you cancel the debt. You, you begin to do that. Another thing is, you know, a lot of people do this. Man, I wrote that thing down. I won't forget that till the day I die. That's debt number one. Number two, I, I write, you know, I, I'm remembering. I've got to remember that to my grave. Come on, somebody. You'll be reminded of that till the day you die. All right, all right. How freeing it is to cancel the debt. You don't owe me nothing. Now you don't owe me nothing. Nope, you don't owe me a penny. You don't owe me nothing. Number two is, I start to act this out, but I'm, 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 how many, like that song says, in heaven there'll be no more pain. How many say amen? How many parts of your bodies have just stopped working? You know, after you get a bit older in life, my shoulder just decided it's not going to work. You know, my left shoulder is just not going to work for a while. So that's why, my, that's why I'm praising, hallelujah. <laughs> you know, I got my right hand up in the air. But one of the keys is, I act out, I used to put a big rope around me and I tied a rope around somebody else. And unforgiveness 
ties you to whoever it is that you don't forgive. You can be in Tahiti. Guess who's there with you in Tahiti? Person you're upset with. See, somebody that looks like them comes right back up in your brain. Is that right? You'd be in your nice feather bed. Guess who's in there? You, you, you're tied to the person. And one of the nice things is they're tied to you. You know, that was the old way they used to administer justice. If you killed somebody, one of the, and one of the, the way they did it was they tied you, they chained you with locks to the person you killed. I mean, I think that'd be tough justice to, to meet out. And you can get away. So that, that, but see, we do that to ourselves. We, we, when unforgiveness, you tie yourself to the person that hurt you. You can be going around anyway, and that person's with you no matter where you go. You can travel to the nicest place. I mean, on and I used to act that out, and we'd run around, and then finally, and, and what forgiveness does, it cuts the rope. You're free from that. When you choose to forgive, it, it does it. And then the last one is this, is when you forgive, you open the prison door. I used to have, a, I had a big prison built here one time, and I put, I put about four or five people in. I took out the audience, I put them in this prison. And then I said, here's how it works. You, you, put them, you put people in prison. And then ever so often, when you really get worked up about it again, you bring them out, you beat on them a while, and you put them back in prison. And then I say this, when you forgive, you open the prison door. And you realize, you know the old story, you realize that you were the prisoner. When you forgive, you realize you were the prisoner. When you get out, you thought you were putting in, but you're the one that does it. You take the lock off the door, on and on. Forgiveness, and here's the tough part. Forgiveness then will take you the second mile. One of the worst things, occupation, I don't know if you've ever, your country's, you've ever been in a country that's been occupied. Jasmine, my wife grew up in Beirut, and Beirut was occupied for a while. She said it was so aggravating to go in your country, go from your house to the grocery store and have to go through checkpoints manned by people from other countries. Can you imagine? Can you imagine if you wanted to come to church this morning, you had to come through and there was Russian checkpoints and you had to come through Russian people and, and show your papers to say, I'm going to church, da, 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 da. And in the day of Jesus... One of the worst things was Rome occupied Palestine. So they had checkpoints. You had checkpoints everywhere. You had to show papers. You had to talk about it. And one of the things the Romans did was that if a Roman soldier caught you, a man, a, a Jewish man, he could compel you to go one mile, or their, their length, you know, well, I'll just say mile, go one mile with, and carry his backpack. And Jews hated that. I mean, they, they hated that. You can imagine what they did. And Jesus comes on the scene and he says, If any man compel thee to go a mile, do what? And that's, let me tell you why. Because the first mile is a mile of bitterness. The first mile is a mile of compulsion. Let me tell you what I've learned in my life. If you jerk that backpack off at the end of that first mile, then, then that hatred can stay in you. But here's what Jesus said. If anybody compel you to go a mile, when you reach that first mile, just keep walking. And that Roman soldier looked at him and said, that's all. No, no, we'll keep going. No, no, we're going to keep going. The second mile will work the bitterness out of you. A man came to me. I remember my first month pastoring here. A man came to me and said, Pastor, my wife ran off, had an affair. And then she sued me, and she sued me for alimony, and she's got $500 a month alimony. What did I do? I said, do not pay $500 a month. He was so happy. I said, pay 600 Come on, somebody. Did any man compel you to go a mile? Go two. Because you were, I remember one night, I, something had done, somebody had wronged me, and I, was, I lived in apartments, and I had two pots. I'll never forget this. It was late at night, somewhere around midnight, and I was banging those pots, saying, I will not be bitter. Bang. I will not be bitter. Bang. I will not be bitter. And I remember the neighbor next to me said, get over it and stop hitting the pots. 
If you want to get rid of bitterness, do good to them that despitefully use you. Pray for those that despitefully use you. On and on. Take the second mile. I had this. I had a, a, a friend of mine. His wife ran off from him and uh, went and married somebody. Just, I mean, just blew him off and went and married somebody. And then they got in a real bind. And did you know he let them move in to a trailer behind his house? And I talked to him. I said, you're a better man than me. Come on, somebody. And you know what he told me? He said, my family is irate with me. He said, my whole family, I mean, everybody's irate. He said, let me tell you why I did it. I did it to get the bitterness out of my heart. He said, I did it to get the bitterness out of my heart. He said, it, my, it, was, it meant more to me to get the bitterness out. First time we're going to end up, the first time that uh, forgive ever made its way in the Bible was the story of Joseph. And here's what he said. You meant it for evil. Everybody say, but God. But God enables you to forgive. Listen to this. Listen very carefully. But God enables you to forgive the inexcusable. There's some, mean, there's some, there's some bad stuff that's happened in this world. There's some bad stuff, evil stuff. But listen, forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. It just makes you free. Forgiveness doesn't make the other person right. It just makes you free. But, but God, I never forget in Ravensbrück, which was a concentration camp outside Berlin. Very, very little history is known of, of Ravenstock. You've heard of all the other concentration camps. But it was where over 90,000 women, <coughs> not just Jews, but these were people that had, had, had stood against the Nazis and had helped deliver many of the Jewish women. But it was 90,000 women and little girls were put in Ravenbrook, and all of them perished. Very little is known about them except it says there's one thing that we left uh, that was, had been left from Ravensbrook. It was written on a tattered, ripped, and worn piece of paper was found in the clothing of a little dead child at Ravensbrook. Here's what it said. O Lord, remember not only the men and women of goodwill, but also those of ill will. But do not remember all of the suffering they have inflicted upon us. Instead, remember the fruits we have borne because of this suffering, our fellowship, our loyalty to one another, our humility, our courage, our generosity, the greatness of heart that, is gr- that has grown from this trouble. When our persecutors come to be judged by you, that all of these fruits that we have borne be their forgiveness. You know, when you realize, and one of the keys you keep before your eyes, is the goodness of God, the mercy of God. How many of you are a testimony to the mercy of God that God forgave you? And you've got a million-dollar forgiveness in your pocket. You've got a million-dollar forgiveness. And all the things that people do to you. The other, other week I've been, I, you know, how many of you have had sinus issues, you know, without so dry a period? And for two weeks, my eyes, you know, even behind my eyes hurt, so I didn't want to watch. And I put on Maverick. How many of you have heard of Maverick City? You ever heard of Maverick City, the singing group Maverick City? No, none of you? Well, I've got them, and I just put them on, and Jasmine was gone uh, to, um, to South Africa. And so I just put it on for days. I just, my house was booming. If you saw, if you'd look at boom, 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 and I liked it loud. And uh, this is one of the songs I really liked, and we're going to end with this. Go ahead.
Come on, let's give him a great clap off today, would you? Come on. Bow your heads if you would. Everybody stand up this morning. Bow your heads. Maybe you're here and you've never received forgiveness. And I'm going to tell you it's free. It's not what you've done. You might feel like this, this guy did, that you feel like you deserve to be six feet under the earth. Things you've done, things you've said, you know, choices you made that you do regret. And this morning, there is a goodness of God. The goodness of God comes. And you're at a place where God says, I will forgive you no matter what you've done. Maybe you've got so many people bitter at you. You've hurt so many people. Maybe you've done stuff against other people and even against yourself. But today, there is an opportunity for you. That, that tingling, that thing you feel on the inside, that is God Almighty. And that's Him saying, listen, I will forgive you're still at a place where you can still be forgiven and washed clean. God, no matter what you've done, God will forgive. And the Bible says, listen, if you ask him, if you repent, there is, listen, there is no sin too big. One time a man came up to me and he told me the things that he had done. And he said, God, I know that God can't forgive me. I know he can't. And I'll never forget, I, I, he had a Bible in his hand. And I took that Bible and I threw it. I said, can I have your Bible a minute? And I took his Bible and I threw it across the auditorium and hit the sidewall with it. 
And you should have seen him. He got so indignant at me that I would throw his Bible and the word of God and throw it against the wall. And I, and I looked at him and I said, look at me. I said, you're dishonoring the word more than I ever did right then. Because you're telling me that the blood of Jesus is not powerful enough to forgive the sins that you've done. The Bible says, listen, the Bible says he can cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And he bowed his head, began to cry and receive the forgiveness of God. And if you want to be forgiven this morning, God will forgive you. God will wash you. And you not only will cleanse you, but then the amazing thing is that he that knew no sin will become sin for you. But then he will fill you up with the righteousness of God in Christ. He just won't leave you at zero. He fills you up to where you belong in heaven. God looks at you and he sees the righteousness of God in Christ. He sees the righteousness of Christ in you. And that's the things that God will do this morning for you. So every head bowed. If that's you and you say, Lord, Pastor, would you pray for me? I want, I want forgiveness. I want to be forgiven this morning. Would you just raise your hand up real high just for a minute? You want to be, God bless you. Put down. Somebody else. So let's do this with them. Would you pray with me this morning? Say, Lord, I want to be forgiven. I want to be washed. I want to be cleansed. Forgive me of all my sin. Fill me with your righteousness. Change my life. Jesus, thank you for dying in my place. Taking all my sin. Laying in my grave. Thank you for coming to life. Now open up my life. Come into my life. I surrender all. Take over, Lord. In the name of the Lord Jesus. Everybody said amen. Let's give him a great clap offer today.